One of my favorite fast food restaurants is Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday today, so there's no way I can get Chick-fil-A. And I love it when I get a receipt and it says, oh, fill out a survey and you get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it's like the most amazing things, five minutes goes by in, um, in a hurry. And every time I go there, the customer service is just through the roof. It's like they're so happy that I walked through the door and it's like their pleasure to serve me. I'm like, wow, this is really incredible. And you guys know they're closed on Sundays, which is pretty crazy because they lose about 14% of their possible business days. And why do they do that? Well, the owner, uh, Truett Cathy, um, he wants to honor the Lord's Day. And he wants to allow his employees to set, uh, set aside a day of rest and to worship if, they, if that's what they want to do. And it's also a huge benefit because workers and uh, owner-operators, they get the day off. Um, but for us customers, actually, when we realize it's closed on Sundays, either we try really hard on Saturday night to get Chick-fil-A, or we go on Monday, first thing in the morning, to get Chick-fil-A. And there's something really incredible that um, this incredibly successful restaurant chain would choose to close on a Sunday. Especially in today's culture, I think it's really, really difficult to rest and to slow down. It's almost as if our culture seems to resist the concepts of rest, that we could take a complete 24 hours off. It's almost as if sometimes we think rest is for the weak, that only the strong will push through. Sometimes we always have another deadline, another project, so how can we rest? We'll fall behind on next week's projects. Things around the house might uh, fall out of order. I have to constantly keep working. And sometimes busyness can be a badge of honor. When we see our calendars filled to the brim, it's a sign that we're doing something right, that we're efficient, that we're productive with the time God has given us. And if we're not doing anything, it could seem a little off or a little abnormal. So what would it look like for you and I to find rest in today's busy culture? The past couple weeks, we've been going through a renewal series, and this is the third sermon uh, in this renewal series. And as the church reopens and people are excited to start things again, I really believe it's important to not rush into things and to remember the concept of rest, the concept of Sabbath. That if we reopen without spiritual vibrancy, that will still leave us emotionally exhausted and spiritually dry. And so the first week, Hanley preached about Moses seeking God's favor and presence at Mount Sinai uh, and to find renewal um, in the presence of God and to pray desperately. The week after that, Pastor Terrence preached about finding renewal as families seek to grow in love for God through everyday actions. And so today, I want to preach on uh, the Sabbath. And so my sermon preview today, it's just three simple uh, questions, is what is a Sabbath? That's number one. Are Christians required to keep the Sabbath? And number three, how can I live out the Sabbath in my life? So in today's sermon, we're not going to focus on one specific passage, but we're going to look at different passages and understand what it means for us as New Testament Christians to um, live by the Sabbath. So point number one is, what is the Sabbath? Where did it come from? Who was the first person to practice the Sabbath? Was it a human invention or uh, did God create it? And so to find this out, we want to go to the very beginning of the Bible, before any humans or any creation was even there. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to me to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. 
What is the Sabbath? Genesis chapter 1, we're just going to read verse 1. Really straightforward. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So before we understand why God rested, we have to understand that God first worked. That God worked really hard, and that God didn't set the universe into motion by first resting, but by first working. And we know that in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. He created lights and separated from darkness. He created the oceans, the dry land. He spoke into existence, the vegetation, the plants, the fruits, the trees, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the sea creatures, land creatures, and ultimately, the crown of creation, humanity. And so the first six days, God engaged in hard work. And notice he didn't rest after one day. He didn't rest after two days. He rests after six days, a continuous effort. And so we have to first understand that, number one, work is a good thing. It's not a product of the fall. It's a God-created thing. That work is good. But now let's look at rest. So flip a page, and let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Next page over. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Here's what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God is the first person in existence to rest. And so that's our second I guess, sub-point, that work is good, but also rest is good. And that word rest in the Hebrew, it's Shabbat, and it's where we get the word Sabbath. And uh, it means to rest, to cease, and to stop. So God rests from his work. He stops working. He ceases working. But you kind of have to wonder, wait, God stops working? Isn't he limitless in power? self-sufficient from everlasting to everlasting? Isn't this the God who never sleeps nor slumbers in Psalm 121? Isn't this the God who does not grow faint or grow weary in Isaiah 40? Why would God feel the need to rest? For me, I rest because I'm tired and I want a nap, but God does not rest because he's exhausted as if he just exercised or as if he did 100 push-ups or three-minute planks. God doesn't rest because of that, God rests because he finished creation. It's a sign of completion. And so to rest and to Sabbath, it reflects the character and value of God. And maybe it's a value that we've forgotten in this hustle and bustle um, culture uh, with constant emails and reminders and deadlines and projects. Maybe it's something we've forgotten. And so God rests as a sign of completion that he has completed creation. But God doesn't just rest and then he moves on. He does something else. Look carefully at verse 3. It says that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
God doesn't just personally rest, but he sets apart this day, he blesses this day, he consecrates this day, and he makes it holy. He sets it apart for a unique purpose. And so um, maybe an example I could help in hot pots, which I really enjoy, everyone gets chopsticks to kind of eat out of their own bowl, but especially in COVID, you have a special set-apart set pair of chopsticks to uh, handle the meat or to dip in the bowl. You don't eat those chopsticks or um, they'll contaminate um, the meat. And so you're not supposed to put it in your mouth. It's set apart. It's a unique pair of chopsticks. And so this seventh day, God sets it apart for a unique purpose, which is to rest. I know I'm talking a lot about food before lunch. I apologize. Um, But God also, throughout the Bible, he sets apart other things for a unique purpose. In Exodus 28, Aaron's sons, they were set apart to be priests, to make uh, sacrifices in the presence of God. Uh, In Exodus 19, which we went over a couple weeks ago, Mount Sinai was set apart the boundaries so that people would not go up the mountain except for Moses because God's presence was being known there. And so here we see in Genesis 2 and also in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, that the Sabbath day was set apart. Why? So that the people of God could rest from work and delight in the presence of God. That setting apart, in a sense, immediates or invites the presence of God. So when we Sabbath, we're almost inviting and we want to enter the presence of God. That's why we rest. We don't just rest just because we don't want to work. I'm sure it's nice to sleep in, but we rest in order to move towards something, which is to rest in the presence of God. And so um, a definition I want to include to Sabbath is to temporarily abstain from work. So it's not forever. It's a temporary thing from work in order to seek renewal and rest in the presence of God. And there's more specifics to this, but we'll get into that later in the sermon. So the creation account, it shows that work is good and rest is good. They complement one another. They're not enemies. Like in exercising, you need to work out, but you also need to rest. You can't just rest the whole time. That's not exercising. Um, But you also need rest days because that's how your body recovers and comes back stronger the next time. Our bodies weren't created to work 24-7. If we try to stay up for uh, an all-nighter, multiple days, we will literally not function. We will die. And God instilled in our bodies to reflect his nature, to have a balance of work and rest. So God worked and God rested. Now, it also begs the question, did God ever command his people to Sabbath and rest? I know it's stated in the Ten Commandments, but uh, we're New Testament Christians. Aren't we no longer bound to the Mosaic law? And so it brings up a really important question that are Christians, New Testament Christians, required to keep the Sabbath? So as I mentioned earlier, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God's people, they were not, they're commanded not to work on the Sabbath day because it's rooted in the creation order, that God worked six days and he rested one day. So things that they weren't allowed to do uh, was kindling a fire, Exodus 35. They couldn't gather manna in Exodus 16, and they couldn't sell goods in Nehemiah chapter 10. All these things they were prevented from doing. And there's also a kicker to the end of this command. In Exodus 31, 14, God says to Moses, everyone who profanes the Sabbath by doing work on it 
shall be put to death. So there is a death penalty attached to breaking the Sabbath. Like, could you imagine if you were an Israelite back then and maybe you're just worried about your family bringing in food and you went out and gathered some food and there's a knock on your door and they said, you, you know God's law. You know the death penalty. Say goodbye to your family, um, but we have to carry out God's law. This is how serious we take the holiness of God. Can you imagine just how that would be as an Israelite? So for an Old Testament Christian, oh, whoops, <laughs> a little too early. <laughs> for an Old Testament Christian, it was required, but it wasn't just a law. It was something that uh, God wanted his people to realize that he wanted his people to trust in him. And so we're going to go to a story, and that's what the picture was in, uh, in the slideshow, but turn to Exodus chapter 16. Uh, it's a couple more. Next book over, Exodus chapter 16. And so context, as you guys are turning there, Moses had just led his, his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt by the power of God. And so Israelites are free, they are happy, but sometime later they find themselves in the wilderness without food and without water. And they complain to Moses, and then Moses cries out to God, and God says, I'll rain bread from heaven the first six days. And God says, on the sixth day, I'm going to provide twice as much food so that it will provide for the seventh day so you don't have to gather on the seventh day, so you can keep the Sabbath. But the Israelites did not obey. So let's see what happens in Exodus chapter 16. Let's look at verses 27 to 30. So on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And so I drew a picture. I do it on Friday night Unicoi. Sometimes helps visualize um, something. And so this was uh, two nights ago. And the person on, I guess, your left is an Israelite gathering manna. And it's Moses. It's, hey, it's the seventh day. Like, this isn't what we should be doing. God didn't want the Israelites to gather manna, not because he wanted them to suffer, but he wanted them to trust God. Can you trust God that he'll provide enough food for you on the seventh day? I recently learned that American Sign Language, trust is like this. You trust God. And could the Israelites trust God? And can you really blame the Israelites? Because remember, they came from Egypt. They probably never had a day off because they were under the regime of, of Pharaoh. They probably didn't have the luxury of taking a seventh day off. And so they probably were used to gathering manna or food or provide their family on the seventh day. And as noble as their intentions were to protect their family, it's tainted with the lack of trust in God's commands. And maybe we can relate with the Israelites. Maybe we can be tempted to forget God, that I can't take a break from work. How can I take a break from school? I, if I don't do work on, on this day, I have to, I'm going to fall behind. I'm on this deadline and on this project. My boss is going to be upset at me. If I don't finish the summer school homework, I'll, I'll mess up my GPA in my future. And sometimes we're tempted, just like the Israelites, to uh, constantly be working. 
And so to obey the Sabbath, it's both an acknowledgement that we are finite and needy creatures who need rest, but it's also an act of trust that can we provide that God is sufficient to provide for our needs. And so summary for this is that Sabbath is required of God's people in the Old Testament, and it's a sign that we trust in God to provide for our needs as we rest from work. But you know what? That's the Old Testament. What about New Testament Christians when Jesus arrives on the scene and he fulfills the law on our behalf? Would Sabbath still be required? So now let's turn to the New Testament. Turn to Mark chapter 2. This is now in the New Testament now. And we're going to go to another passage. And so context here is that we're actually going to see Jesus' disciples, they actually break the Sabbath. They're confronted by the Pharisees who call out, call out Jesus like, hey, your followers, they disobey the Sabbath law. And Jesus' response will reveal to us how Christians should think of uh, the Sabbath law along with the rest of the Old Testament's um, Mosaic law. So Mark chapter 2, I'll read from... Um, 23 to 28. Here's what it says. One Sabbath, he was going through, Jesus, going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to him, to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's stop there. So remember that in Mark chapter 2, Jesus' ministry is just getting started. He's calling his first disciples. He's healing people from disease. He's casting out demons. And he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. So we can probably assume that maybe the disciples were hungry. And so as they're walking on the way, they're just plucking grains. But this also goes against the Old Testament Sabbath rest, which says, which says they should not cut, pluck, or uproot vegetation or harvest. And so I have another picture for us to imagine or just help us engage um, in the... There we go. <laughs> so Jesus' disciples say, oh, wow, this is really awesome. Let's, you know, get a snack. And the Pharisees in the middle are, you know, shaking their heads at them. But then Jesus reminds him, reminds them the Sabbath was made for man. Didn't you read David, what David did? And it's almost, an, almost like a slight jab, like, don't you know the scriptures? Don't you know what David did? And so he first points to an instance of King David, the greatest king in the Old Testament. And what did David do? Well, to give you a backstory on that, David and his men were on the run from King Saul. They're also hungry, they're desperate, and they enter a tabernacle in search of food. But there's no food left, except food that was dedicated to the Lord bread on the altar, and it was reserved only for priests. And this was the Old Testament law. But David broke that law for the sake of saving his men. 
So Jesus, he doesn't point to King David as an excuse for his disciples um, to break the Sabbath, but he's reminding the listeners that Sabbath was meant to serve humanity. And that it was to ensure a balance between work and rest. God did not create mankind thinking, you know what, I'm going to create mankind and I'm going to make them for a purpose, just to keep the Sabbath. That's not what God did. God created, it's the other way around, God created the Sabbath to serve and to protect and preserve the balance of humanity. And so Jesus states the original purpose of Sabbath, which it was meant to bless humanity. And so maybe example, think about speed limit laws, right? Uh, We drive cars. Some of you guys just got your driver's license if you're, I guess, 16, 17 years old. But cars, Henry Ford, I think he created the first car. He didn't create a car in order to say, you know what, I'm going to create this car just so it can uh, obey a a speed limit law. That would be kind of um, a little bit odd. But he created cars first, and then laws were uh, created afterwards in order to protect the lives within those cars. So imagine if you saw a hit and run, and then maybe somebody there was injured, and they had maybe 20 minutes to live, and you put them in your car, and you rush to the hospital, and you're obviously going over the speed limits, um, like something really crazy, like 70 miles per hour or something like that. And when you get there, a police officer pulls you over and asks, hey, what are you doing? And you say, oh, I have this person in the back. He was hit by hit and run. He only has moments left to live. I just wanted to get him to the hospital. And this police officer understands the situation. And he realizes that, you know, it's an empty road. It's a little bit later at night. You weren't really being reckless with other drivers. You're trying to protect a life. And that would be understandable because the purpose of a speed limit is to uphold life. And, but there could be circumstances where that rule can be bent in order to also protect life, such as um, taking someone to the hospital. And so to transfer that to the law of the Sabbath, it's important to remember that uh, Sabbath was made for mankind. It was meant to bless mankind. And that there may be certain circumstances, such as disciples eating food because maybe they're starving, that it can be bent. Because the ultimate purpose behind the heart of the Sabbath is to stop work and to be in the presence of God, to trust that God will provide. And so hopefully that helps a little bit. And Jesus, he grounds all of this by pointing to his own authority, that he is the Lord even of the Sabbath. So God the Father um, instituted the Sabbath. He commanded of the Israelites, and he himself rested. But God the Son, Jesus himself, claims authority over the Sabbath because the Sabbath, just like every Old Old Testament law, is a shadow to true rest as we see in Hebrews 4. That the true rest is found in Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. So we see that for New Testament Christians, Christians, you and I, are not bound to the specific Old Testament Sabbath law as we see in Exodus. But there is still immense biblical wisdom in living in a way that reflects uh, the heart of the Sabbath, which is routine rest from daily work in order to find renewal in Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you think about it, if God himself rested on the seventh day, wouldn't it be wise for us to pattern ourselves to be like God and also do the same, to work and to rest in 
right balance. And maybe you're thinking right now, you know what? I don't remember the last time I've done that. Life has just felt so crazy. I don't know the last time I set aside time to um, rest and stop from work and to be with the Lord. And so for the final section of my sermon, I want to explore that. What would it look like to actually um, stop working and to rest, especially in light that we're not bound to the Old Testament law? And so our next, this takes us to our final point. How can I live out the Sabbath in my own life? And so I think the first point I want us to keep in mind is that everyone's Sabbath conviction will be unique. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 says, uh, Paul says, do, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. They, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So Paul commands us that to not to, not to judge one another based on how we might observe Old Testament law, like religious festivals or Sabbath, because the beauty of placing your faith in Christ means that our sins are forgiven, that God, that Jesus, because some of us, uh, if we have more time, maybe we can take a full day off, but some of us, if life is just crazy, we'd be lucky to get 10 minutes in a day just to be with the Lord. So the point is not to pass judgment and to have a standard, because otherwise that just go back to legalism and we would um, go away from faith in Christ alone. So I think it's important to remember that everyone's Sabbath conviction will be unique. And secondly, it might be a little obvious, but it's important to examine the pace of your own life. Maybe after during lunch or maybe before you go to bed or just with a loved one, the small group or a friend, maybe just think or share what is the pace that you're going at in life. When's the last time that you've really stopped from work to rest in the Lord? Maybe some of us have work, been working too fast, we've been too crazy and just too busy to do that. So how busy are you? And if you find that, you know what? I've been feeling really busy lately. I just haven't had a time to rest. Ask maybe even a deeper question. What does this reveal about ourselves? What does this reveal about yourself and myself? Why do we feel the need to be constantly working? Does it reveal a deep-down belief of what we believe about God or myself? That maybe we have to put everything on our shoulders. That if I don't do this, everything will crumble, as if we are trying to play God in our lives. So think about that as well, and just understand what are the deep beliefs that play out in our actions. And so those are some preparation points, but afterwards, I think this could be helpful, is just to choose a day and a time to commit to the Lord. As I said earlier, some of us, it could be a full day. Some of us could be a half day. Some of us, an hour or 30 minutes. It could be a, a Sunday or, or a Monday. But write it on your calendar just so it's there. That really helps me. If you wake up the day of and you realize, you know what, should I take time today? It, it's, it's really just going to be messy. And remember that Sabbath, it's not a burden. It's a gift from God. God created the Sabbath to bless humanity. And so you know that feeling when you're a student and it's a Thursday night and you have this excited feeling. Why? Because Friday is the next day. And you know what Friday means? It means the weekend is just around the corner. So when we plan for the Sabbath, there should be an eager joy for that. 
And then maybe a second thing could be just to plan out. Have a, a loose, general schedule. It doesn't have to be a, um, every single minute planned out, but it can be adjusted, but just to have something. What should I do on this day that I've set aside for God? And ultimately, as we read uh, from today, that first thing that we should do is to rest from work, to stop working. That's what God did on the seventh day. He completed his work and rested. And that's a sign that you are trusting God, that God, I'm not going to work today. And I'm trusting that the world will still be okay, that my life will still be okay, that my finances will still be okay, that my grades will still be okay. When we stop working, we're trusting that God, the, most, uh, the sovereign creator of the universe, is in control and that things are going to be okay. And so things like notifications, email, social media, those things that are clawing for our attention, just take a step back. Second thing is to delight in God himself. You're not just stopping from work, but you're delighting in God himself. Remember that the Sabbath, it wasn't just to stop working. It was to point to the true rest found in Jesus. So whatever that helps you rest at the feet of Jesus. As we see in Psalm 1, it's delighting in the law of the word, being in scripture, or maybe in other ways like reading Christian books that point you to God himself. Maybe it's praying. Maybe you haven't, we haven't prayed in a while and carved out time to be with the Lord and to just speak with him and to hear from him. Maybe it's worshiping through songs, through worship. Maybe it's journaling and just talking to God about how this past week went. But to, to, to delight in the Lord, that is the, the goal of, um, of Sabbath. And thirdly, after we've done this, maybe to delight in God's good gifts. And some of us might hesitate, like, wait, what? We can enjoy recreation and sports and entertainment on the Sabbath? Isn't that kind of unspiritual? And of course, it can always, we can be, it's very possible to be overstimulated with entertainment, like binging a TV show or being on social media all day. But perhaps part of stopping work, it's to primarily enjoy God, but maybe to enjoy God's gifts in creation and through what he's um, created. J.I. Packer, in his book, A Quest for Godliness, he writes on the Puritans and their view of recreation, and he references a Puritan Richard Baxter, who lived in the 1600s, who dealt with this question, and he said this, I will first look at a man's positive duties on the Lord's day, how he heareth and readeth and prayeth and spendeth his time, and how he instructeth and helpeth his family. And if he be diligent in seeking God, imply his heavenly business, I shall be very backwards to judge him for a word or action about worldly things that fall in on the by. So in other words, if you've committed uh, time to set aside for God, you've stopped working and you've delighted in God and you've been in his word and prayer and you've served your family, maybe it's not such a bad thing to enjoy God's creation as good gifts. Maybe the gift of community, like catching up with a friend, or the gift of going on a hike outside, or a creative project, or reading a novel, or, or taking a nap, or enjoying entertainment in moderation, maybe a TV show or something like that. After we get the main things out of the way, being with God, it's okay to enjoy God's good gifts to us. That's why he created it. For me, as, as a pastor, Mondays are my off days, and I have to tell you, I can't wait for Mondays. It is so glorious. 
I certainly allow myself to sleep in a little bit and allow myself after I wake up and just read maybe the Bible or Christian book very slowly. Because on other days, I sometimes feel rushed. It's like, okay, I have to you know, get to church by 9 a.m. or I have to get work started at 9.30. But on Mondays, it's awesome because there's no agenda. I do my best to clear out the schedule and just take my time. And there's like a phrase that really sticks out to me in the Bible or a book that I'm reading. I just stop and I just talk to God about it. I, I just, and it's so incredibly re-energizing and restful. And I need that because throughout the rest of the week, I don't have time for that. I, I, don't, I don't get that precious time. And sometimes I keep an online journal. I just, it's just the way I talk to God. It, it really helps me. I just journal and talk about my week and I talk to God. And maybe uh, I'll go to a park later in late morning or early afternoon. Uh, sometimes I like Grand Avenue Park in Chino Hills or Diamond Bar Center. I just pop up a chair and I just enjoy God's creation. And again, I just talk to God and, or I read something. And it's, so, it's such a different countercultural way um, from the rest, of the, the rest of the week. And sometimes in the early afternoon, if I want to catch up with a friend, I might catch up with a friend or uh, go on a bike ride or in the evening spend time with my wife and do something restful. And at the end of Monday evening, I feel really rejuvenated. I, I'm ready to jump back into Tuesday, um, first day of, the, of um, the work week. And if I didn't have Mondays, I really feel like I'd be really unbalanced. I'd just be uh, going crazy, really. And so I share this, again, not as... Um, a legalistic thing where you have to do this, this, and that. Because remember, a Sabbath conviction is unique. We shouldn't judge one another and pass judgment um, based on what, what another person does. For me, this is what helps me stop work and to be in the presence of God. But for you, it could look completely different. And I just pray that you and I would just make that effort to stop and to have something out, plan something out to be in the presence of God. My big idea for today is, there we go, that the Sabbath is no longer required of Christians, yet every Christian ought to be wise to regularly seek rest and renewal in Christ, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Ultimately, our desire to observe the Sabbath or take time away from work, it shouldn't come from a place where we're blindly following rigid rules in order to earn salvation. Our salvation is already secure in Christ. It's not supposed to be restrictive. It's supposed to be a blessing. When we observe the Sabbath, it should come from a heart that desires to be with the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ, in order to find rest, because he makes this promise in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. True rest comes from the Lord of the Sabbath. So as church ministries begin to slowly reopen, before we're tempted to just sprint and get busy for the sake of being busy, let's remember that true rest and spiritual renewal is found in sitting and delighting at the feet of Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we pray to you, we want to remember our limitations, that we are feeble creatures in need of rest and renewal. And God, I pray that if some of us here have just been running on fumes for as long as we can remember, I pray that they would be able to find rest in you, 
to find time, carve out time, to make sacrifices to stop work as you stop to work and to rest as you rest. And that when we are sitting at your feet, this is where true rest is. This is where we are rejuvenated, re-energized, and empowered to go back out to work for you and your glory and to serve for your glory. So Lord, I pray that we'd be able to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.